Well, I am the, uh, I'm the only, I was the only child of my clergy parents for six minutes. Six minutes, yes, there was a, a, a brother chasing me, uh, and he's there in that picture, um, if I can get it right, your perspective. My twin is the far left. That's my twin brother. Then there was other brothers after that. That's my mom and us four boys. You can imagine, no, you can't, what that was like. Um, my mom is not afraid of blood, broken bones, bruises, injuries, and nothing like that. So uh, then uh, I married a daredevil. That's Sherry Ann, uh, willing to jump out of perfectly good airplanes or not good airplanes, as the case of this one. This was up in Sussex here in New Jersey uh, several years ago. And then we have uh, two children. Uh, it's not the one on the right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's Arthur on the left uh, and his wife Amber and our grandson Arthur. And then in the middle is uh, our daughter Franny, her husband Mike. And on that, the other one is our dog, Kitty. <laughs> exactly. It's great in the neighborhood to say, here, kitty, 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 and out comes the dog. There are many confused children in our neighborhood. It's good to be here. We live in an unclean world. If you could see pictures, and here's one, of Indonesia, a river in Indonesia, that's an unclean situation that's used for bathing as well as others. Uh, here's a picture from India. Uh, that's a canoe. I think he's canoeing down there. I don't know where the water is exactly, but we live in an unclean world. If we bring it closer to home, we know that even sometimes our hospitals can be unclean. Uh, my mom uh, once spent 10 months in a hospital because of a, a MRSA and staph infection she picked up, uh, which is antibiotic-resistant uh, stuff. And there's other contagions. Uh, what about our homes? You know, the knobs of the stove are described to be the number one uh, source of uh, contagion or contamination. Uh, the countertops, the bathrooms. We live in an unclean world. And our attitude about uncleanness is usually one of three things. The first one would be, do not touch. Do not touch it. When I was in elementary school, we learned this Fact. I think it's not, a, it's, it's not a fact, but we learned that girls had cooties. Now, I've, <laughs> I want to tell you something. I have no idea what a cootie is, but it sure sounded dangerous. So, all right, don't touch. All right, you might catch that. So that's an attitude of um, uncleanness. The same attitude exists with certain illnesses. Do not touch or you'll catch something. It won't be good. The second attitude about uncleanness is to isolate Get as far away from the source of uncleanness as possible. Surround yourself with only other clean things or clean people, and you'll be safe from any possible contamination. This is the strategy which obviously led to the stopping of the plague and other contagious diseases. We would call that quarantine in, in certain contexts. Isolating yourself is a way of dealing with the fear of being contaminated. A third approach is to insulate. Insulate means to protect by interposing material that prevents the loss of heat or the intrusion of sound. But the concept of insulation is to surround something with the protective coating so that no intrusion can get in. 
For example, we insulate our houses so that less heat will escape or less cold will come in, and we insulate electrical wires, good thing, so that if you were to grab a wire, there's a protective barrier between you and the electricity. In a world of disease and uncleanness, we attempt to insulate ourselves from that. We use antibacterial soaps, gloves, masks, and more, which are used as barriers to protect so that we don't get sick. Now, in the area of our health, strategies as do not touch, isolate, and insulate are good ones. You can stay clean physically in an unclean world if you follow these strategies. However, these will not work if you are going to be an obedient follower of Jesus Christ. More on that later. First of all, let's look at Jesus. Mark 5. Jesus shows us in Mark 5 how to address uncleanness in our world. If I was to give a full treatment uh, of Jesus' work, I would cover all the three stories in Mark 5. Following this story of the demon-possessed man is the story of the woman who had a, a hemorrhage uh, and touched Jesus' cloak, and then the uh, raising of Jairus' daughter. And all three could easily be included in this type of uh, a sermon. But there's not enough time. This story that we have here is sufficient to teach us the truth. Let me give you the background. Jesus has been up all day teaching on the far side of the lake. He then tells his disciples, let's get in the boat. It's evening. Let's get in the boat and let's go to the other side. While in the boat, going to the other side, a furious storm comes up. So furious that those seasoned sailors get scared. And Jesus, a carpenter, is asleep. That's because I think he knew who had control of the boat. He was safe, right? But he's sleeping. And this, this, this storm is so furious and so scary that they actually wake Jesus up, and with a word, peace. The storm is stilled. By the time they reach the other side to the area of the Gerasenes, it's now early morning. Again, up all day teaching, now up all night with a storm, and they stagger on the shore. This area of the Gerasenes is a non-Jewish area. It was probably the most unclean place that Jesus could find. Jesus comes in as the clean one and goes to an unclean land. For Gentiles were seen as unclean by those who were of Jewish descent. And he goes to an unclean place, a cemetery. To be near the dead, to be near a dead body would be to render you unclean. And he goes to an unclean man filled with unclean spirit. I think the scripture that was read said impure spirit. And he's surrounded by unclean animals. Pigs. Go to Leviticus and you'll see all that list of uncleanness there. So he, Jesus, the clean one, goes into a place that is the most unclean. If ever there was a situation that demanded a do not touch response, this was it. Stay away, Jesus, because if you touch this man or anything in this area, you will be unclean. If there was ever a situation that called for isolation, this was it. In fact, the townspeople had already exercised this strategy by forcing the man to the tombs. Their attitude was out of sight, out of mind. If ever a situation called for insulation, this was it. And the people tried this by putting a barrier of chains between them and this man. 
And we see he was so strong, he broke those chains. But Jesus is not about isolation. Jesus is not about insulation. Jesus is about infiltration. Let me say that again. He is not about isolation or insulation, but infiltration. While everyone else is running away, Jesus was running into. My son is in the United States Army now. He was a Marine. He never is a, wasn't ever a Marine, so he's a Marine in the Army. I don't know, whatever. Uh, but that's what he is. And there's commercials about the Marines running into places that other people run out of. That's what Jesus was. Jesus is not about withdrawal. He, the clean one, is about being in the midst of the uncleanness and transforming it. He speaks to the spirits and he says, come out. Well, they try to negotiate a place and Jesus sends them into a herd of pigs, which promptly run off a cliff and drown. I'd like to see the videotape of that. That had to be just, with a good soundtrack, that had to be really neat. The pig farm, well, and that just gives proof that something happened. Some big transaction had taken place. The pig farmers run into town, tell their bosses. The whole town gathers at the cemetery, and they find the opposite of what they expected. They were used to live pigs and a dead man walking. What they found were dead pigs and a live man talking. It is interesting to note that it was not the crazy man that made them afraid. It was when the man was dressed and in his right mind that they got scared. They had grown used to the uncleanness in their midst. Jesus is about being present in unclean places and restoring the whole person. Well, let's bring it up to here. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. That we, as ones powerless in dealing with our sins, have been provided a Savior who deals conclusively with our sin and gives us resources to stay clean. Yes, the gospel is good for us. But it is not only for us. The essence of the gospel is community. The essence of the gospel is the whole world. That is why there is a mission attached to it. Go into all the world and make disciples. Go and love one another. Go and forgive one another. Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. Give an answer to who? Yourself? No, to someone else. The gospel is about getting saved and getting others saved. It's about receiving the living bread and bringing others to be fed. It's about getting clean and then being active in getting others clean. The gospel is not about do not touch. We see from Jesus that if we are to be clean in an unclean world, we will need to come into contact with the uncleanness. Consider Jesus dealing with the leper in Mark chapter 1. The rules were clear. They were not to be touched. Lepers were not to be touched. If you did, you became unclean yourself. Jesus, the clean one, reaches out his hand and touches the unclean one 
and restores him. We are to be ones who would touch those who are labeled unclean. The gospel is not about isolation. If all the clean ones were to gather themselves into communities, then who would be left to carry out the mission of the gospel? We do see isolation by Jesus' followers in our world. Fear of contamination can compel people to isolate themselves from the source of the supposed contaminant. And when this is done, then the salt is not available for the saltless. When this is done, there is no light to go into the dark places. When this is done, there is no hope for the unclean world to become clean. So the gospel is not about hands off. The gospel is not about isolation. It's also not about insulation. Followers of God should not place between them and sinners any barrier which would hinder the gospel from being in direct contact. Oh, church, let's be careful. Are there any rules or rituals or rhythms that we put into in between us and the gospel that would hinder someone from becoming clean? The gospel is not about hands off. The gospel is not about isolation. The gospel is not about insulation. It's about infiltration. It's about the followers of Jesus who are filled with the spirit of Jesus, doing what Jesus did. And what did Jesus do? He went into the midst of the uncleanness and transformed it. I know exactly what you're going to say. But major, if we go into the uncleanness, Won't we get sick? Possible. Unless we, like Jesus, become separate from the world. Now, right there, you say, you're not making any sense. Listen carefully. Separate, not in position, but in spirit. John 17, 14 says, Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Jesus was in the world, but not of it. He took no pleasure in its wicked ways. He was not spoiled by its proud, selfish, and sinful spirit. While he was positionally positionally near and worked and associated with unclean sinners, he was always separate from them in spirit. In the same way, holy people are so changed that while they are in the world, they are not of it. We belong to heaven. And are but strangers and pilgrims, being clean in unclean places, on our way back to our heavenly home. How does this occur? Jesus is pure. We are greedy. He is peaceful. We are hassled. He is purposeful. We are distracted. He's pleasant. We're cranky. He is spiritual. We're earthbound. The distance between him and us seems immense. So how can we possibly be like Jesus and be clean? in unclean places, and then transform them. How could we ever hope to have the heart of Jesus? Good question. You already have it. If you are in Christ, you already have the heart of Christ. One of the supreme promises of God is simply this. If you have given your life to Jesus, he has given his life to you. He has made your heart his home. Galatians 2:20 says, "Christ lives in me, 
Colossians 1.27 says that the mystery of the gospel is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. John, 1 John 3.24, these who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Let me say it again in case you forgot. If you have given your life to Jesus, he has given his life to you. He has moved in, unpacked, put up the decorations, and he is ready to live in and through you. To do what, you may ask? To carry out and finish the mission of going into all the world and making disciples. Yes, going into unclean places and transforming it. Christ's mission is to do two things, is to come into you and transform you, and then to work through you to transform the world. That's the essence of the gospel. So with Christ in you, you are able to do what he does. And Mark 5 shows us what he does, going into unclean places, working with unclean people, and transforming it. And because the clean one is inside you, the dirt will not stick. My uncle, so my mom's brother, um, at one point he was in uh, as a clergyman, led many churches. But before and after, when he resigned his uh, clergyship, he worked in the coal mines of West Virginia. Still does. 67 years old, still works in the coal mines. Not a life I recommend, uh, <laughs> as far as that's concerned. But a writer tells of going with a group of visitors down into a coal mine. And on the side of the passageway grew a flower which was perfectly white. The visitor was astonished that there where the coal dust was actually in the air and flying around was this flower that could possibly be so pure and white. A miner who was with them took a handful of black coal dust and threw it upon the plant, but not one particle of coal dust stuck. Every atom of the black dust just rolled off. The visitors themselves repeated the experiment, but the coal dust would not cling. There was a wonderful waxy enamel, if you will, that coated the petals of that flower, so no speck of coal dust could adhere to it. Living there amid clouds of black dust, nothing could stain its white petals. Oh, this is the picture of what every Christian life should be. You as followers of Christ, we live in an evil world. We are surrounded by uncleanness. Oh my goodness, we're surrounded by, what is it? Apparent truth? <laughs> yes. Um, we're surrounded by over-sexualized images. We're surrounded by immorality, addiction, uncleanness. We go among the ungodly continually in our daily walk and work. Unholy influences breathe all around us, but it is our mission to be pure amid all this evilness and uncleanness, undefiled, unspotted from the world. Philippians 2.15, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault, in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. James 1, religion that is pure and faultless in the sight of God is this, 
to keep oneself unspotted and uncontaminated from the world. And folks, as the clean one, Christ in you, you're the clean one. As the clean one, you can then infiltrate the uncleanness around you and transform it. Can you see it yet? Can you picture it? With Christ in you, you can be the agent of change in our world. With Christ in you, you can be the clean one in your home and transform it. You do not have to isolate yourselves from the unsaved family members that live with you. You can infiltrate that situation and transform them and others. Can you see it yet? Can you picture it? With Christ in you, you can be the clean one in your workplace and transform it. You do not have to insulate yourself from their influence, the language, the ethics, the shadiness. No, you can infiltrate your workplace with the purity of Christ. Can you see it? Can you picture it? With Christ in you, you can be the clean one in your neighborhood and transform it. You can go to the shunned, to the marginalized, to the poor, to the sick, to the drunk, to the addicted, to the immoral, and be the agent of change in the name of Jesus. Can you see it? Can you picture it? With Christ in you, you will no longer consider obedience to the Great Commission as coming to church each Sunday, but will realize that obedience to the Great Commission means being clean in an unclean world. It has nothing to do with hands-off, nothing to do with isolation, nothing to do with insulation. It has to do with infiltration. And people of God, gathered here today, this is not the place to infiltrate. That is. And we have no fear. We do not need to fear being contaminated ourselves because the clean one resides in us. The clean one's power is in us. The clean one's life is in us. We not only have his mission, but we have his equipping. You can't ask for better than that. We're not like the Russian army in World War II that gave one man a gun and the next guy a bullet. <laughs> what do I do with this bullet? Well, when he gets shot, take his gun. That's all there was to that. That's how they worked it. No, Jesus, who has called us to the mission, has also equipped us so it can be done. Let's not fear people of God. Let's not take a perfectly good attitude for the uncleanness of our world when it comes to health. Hands off, isolate, insulate, and apply that to our spiritual walk. It will not work. For the last several weeks, you've been working on your inner self with looking at the disciplines of faith. And today, this is a little bit different because it's taking all that you've read and looked at and Take, put into practice and said, now live that in an unclean world. For you can be agents of change 
in the world around us. And life will never be the same again.